the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Fourth and final hour, Jimmy Sangenberger rocking and rolling back in for George Brockler. Gotta love ZZ Top, sharp-dressed man, kicking things off. Very nice. And I got a blues band of my own, the Jimmy Jr. Blues Band. We have a gig coming up on December 30th at Takoda Tavern in Parker, 7.30 to 11.30 p.m. Really excited, looking forward to this. Come on out for the penultimate party of the year. But I bring this up because we've got one or two ZZ Top songs in the mix. Of course, yours truly plays the harmonica. So... It'll be great. Come on out if you can. But uh, LaGrange is one tune that we do one of my absolute favorite ZZ Top songs. Talking immigration to kick off this hour. Listener text. It's a law to keep these people out. How about following that law by these people? He means the illegal immigrants coming across the southern border amidst this stirring border crisis that has been festering for far too long, and now it is worse than ever before. At least that's what it seems to be, worse than ever before. And ladies and gentlemen, the Biden administration, the Democrats are unwilling to act, they're unwilling to speak out and speak up, and to do what must be done in terms of this crisis. And they're waffling even on this Title 42, which the Supreme Court has now said we're putting a stay on ending it. It may not go away yet. We'll see how long this lasts, but it gives an easier process for deportation. Apparently, according to news reports, It's been used more than 2.5, and a half million times to remove illegal immigrants who have come across the border. Two and a half million times in the past few years, two or three years. I mean, that is striking. Average like a million a year. So, Corrine Jean-Pierre, we played a little bit of clips from the White House press secretary in the last hour. But there's an interesting question. Oh, the Democrats could do what they want to do right now. They've got control of the House and the Senate. And the media pushed Corrine Jean-Pierre on how... This border crisis can be handled better with Republicans when you have disagreements between Republicans and Democrats than when you have Congress controlled by the same party as the White House. We have reached out. We've done outreach to Congress. We have asked them and by by acting, again, putting forth uh, this uh, this uh, this piece of legislation. Virtually no change in immigration policy with Democrats in charge. So how is it going to get any easier when Republicans are in charge? Look. 
again, we are, we've asked for the $3.5 billion. We're going to continue to ask Congress to, to assist in helping with, especially congressional Republicans, uh, to help us with what's going at the, at the border if they, they are indeed serious about doing that. How's it going to be easier with the GOP in charge when you can't even get your, you know what, in gear when the Democrats are in charge? I mean, that's a valid question. I think that's Ed O'Keefe of the Washington Post. I mean, this is not something that they can just sort of weasel their ways out of now. CNN even had a piece over the weekend. Everyone can now agree the U.S. has a border crisis. They're finally brought around to what we have been saying on this station, for example, for so long. In fact, I remember being in high school in the late 2000s myself. When I did a speech on illegal immigration in speech, competitive speech debate, mid-2000s, I did that. And this is an issue that's only gotten worse over time. By the way, Democrats have been bad on it, Republicans have been bad on it, but at least we had Donald Trump, when he was president, take the issue seriously That's more that could be said for the Democrats that simply will not act in any way, shape, or form that is really necessary. Corinne Jean-Pierre asked about the border crisis. Here's the kind of answer. One of the reasons that I want to be very clear that to to folks that the border uh, is not open and and we will remove uh, using Title VIII is because by not being very clear on that, we are doing the work of the smugglers who are going to put forth misinformation. So we want to be very clear uh, on that piece. Hmm. Oh, we want to be very clear. We're not open borders. Yeah, that's not the sense that they're getting. Corinne Jean-Pierre. They're not getting that sense. In fact, you go to ABC News. They had their story where they interviewed Governor Greg Abbott of Texas. And in this story, they interviewed a couple of illegal immigrants. I think they were from Venezuela. And they said specifically that they were basically welcomed by Biden. That's the thought that they had in mind, that this was something Biden said was okay. But then in that same story, Martha Raddatz, the host of ABC This Week for this weekend, blamed Republican rhetoric for giving the impression that there are open borders. Take a listen to this with Greg Abbott. You talk about the border wall. You talk about open borders. I don't think I've ever heard President Biden say, we have an open border, come on over. But people I have heard say it are you, are former President Trump, or Ron DeSantis. That message reverberates in Mexico and beyond. So they do get the message that it is an open border, and smugglers use all those kinds of statements. It was, it was known from the time that Joe Biden got elected that Joe Biden supported open borders. Uh, it is known uh, by the cartels who have sophisticated information whether or not the Biden administration is going to enforce the immigration laws or not. It's known across the world, but most importantly, known among the cartels. And how do you play into that? What can you do better? Uh, so we have every level of government doing everything we can to prevent people from coming into the country illegally. 
or we're repelling them or arresting them and putting them behind bars. Uh, first of all, can't the audio folks do something different? Could they maybe have been indoors somewhere or something? You couldn't even make out what Reddit said. At least they got a closer mic and a better sound for Governor Abbott, but I mean, come on, you guys are national TV in one of the major Sunday shows, and you can't even get your audio right, let alone your arguments straight with reality. The idea that it is Republicans, Republicans that are responsible for the sense that the border is open and they can come through and they're being welcomed in is ludicrous. As Governor Abbott told Jesse Waters, he said, over in Fox News, it shows that the mainstream media, they're really clueless about what's going on in the border, as well as Joe Biden's spokesperson who said that the border's not open. That's what, uh, and, and then he went on to point out, according to the story from Fox News, unlike Biden, Trump enacted the Remain in Mexico endeavor and forced the Title 42 pandemic-related deportation policy ended catch and release of illegal immigrants and supported the construction of a border wall. Abbott said, quote, that's what President Trump did, and we had the lowest border crossing since last century. Now, under Joe Biden, we have far more record-setting numbers of people coming across the border than ever before. It's all because of Joe Biden's policies. Absolutely. Now, I talked with Congressman August Fluger, of Texas on my radio show on Saturday, of course, the Jimmy Sangenberger show Saturday morning, six to nine here on 710 KNUS. And he noted that right now the situation on the ground is more tragic today than ever before in his previous visits, multiple terms just in this term of Congress the past couple of years. And he noted he's talked to kids who were aged eight, nine, ten These kids are being trafficked, he told me. They're being left in the middle of nowhere in harm's way all along the trip. And they're being used to get these drugs and other illegal substances, fentanyl, into this country. Now, what he says specifically, look, Mayor Hancock has just declared a state of emergency. Last week, now we're a week and a half into this state of emergency, I think. And... Fluger is like 50 to 100 people a day in Denver. I don't think so. It's going to be a lot more than that. They're being bussed up from organizations like the Annunciation House that just somehow expect that communities everywhere, like our own, can hold the illegal immigrants, that we should have some sort of duty to just accept everybody and take care of them. Now, admittedly, Denver sort of asked for it. Denver is a sanctuary city. Denver sort of put out the welcome mat for illegal immigrants to come here. Now what? Now what are you going to do with them? Where are the Democrats here in this state of Colorado right now? My column today for the Denver Gazette, or Colorado Politics, uh, Dems' silence on migrant crisis is deafening, really talks about how the only person, the only Democrat prominent Democrat in Colorado to really speak out about this issue is because is Mayor Hancock. And that's because his hand was forced. He had no choice but to declare a state of emergency and to do what he can now with the limited resources and tools that he's got. But think about the homelessness crisis. I talk to Democrats who tell me 
we've got a homeless crisis to deal with right now. We don't even have the resources for that. How are we supposed to put up hundreds and hundreds, probably thousands eventually, of illegal immigrants in rec centers and other facilities in Denver? How are we supposed to do this? And not only that, the Democrats were warned about this. The Greeley Tribune reported that advocates and organizations found that, quote, top state leadership didn't take them seriously aside from those working in the office of new Americans. And look, this wasn't something not predictable. The Denver Gazette, folks on talk radio, others warning this is what's going to happen in Denver if you allow this to continue unabated. Where are Hickenlooper, Bennett, Crow, Deget, Nagoose, Polis, Weiser? Where are they now? Their silence is deafening. Now, of course, they have had the sort of agenda. They want the votes and they want the cheap labor, for sure. But now it's hitting home and their own constituents are being made to suffer as a result. And not only that, you have a massive humanitarian crisis. That's what this is. Of course, we want to provide help for those in need. And my heart breaks for those migrants who are making their way to Denver illegally, but nevertheless, they're doing so for a better life through trying and dangerous circumstances, many of them. Then there are some who are intentionally bad actors. But a lot of times it's the good people who are being used by the cartels to smuggle drugs or whatever other purposes they want. Good kids, children who are being used and abused. But the reality is this is a humanitarian crisis. We're about to have zero degree temperatures tomorrow night. Bare bones cold below zero temperatures. As I write in Colorado Politics today, how can our governments and nonprofit organizations provide for eventually thousands of new impoverished people, not to mention our own homeless? Unless Colorado's Democratic leaders act decisively, we will inevitably reach the breaking point that Mayor Hancock has warned us about. I mean, it is... It is what is happening now. You have nonprofit organizations that are struggling, and it's only going to get worse and worse. Here's a snippet, MSNBC, talking about what it's like in El Paso, Texas. Brace for it here in Denver, folks. Really what we're seeing here is a city that is overwhelmed and in chaos. These families behind me here, these are some of the lucky ones. We're inside a shelter, but a lot of shelters are overwhelmed. I just came from the streets this morning. There are hundreds of people sleeping in the airports, at bus stations, on the streets. And it's actually really cold here. It was 33 degrees when we woke up this morning. Migrants were huddling together under blankets for warmth because even though Title 42 hasn't lifted yet, so many people have been able to come across. Not every nationality gets expelled. But we just spoke to people at this shelter here, Ruben Garcia, who runs this shelter, who says, look, already there are people sleeping on the streets. The numbers that will be sleeping on the streets if Title 42 lifts is unfathomable. And he says the federal government will have to do more. That's in El Paso, Texas. Are you ready for it to come to here in Denver? 
the Denver metro area. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number if you want to join in to the program. Is Denver asking for this? Is this something that we should just accept because it is a sanctuary city and everybody else in the Denver metro area has to just sort of accept the consequences? What should the local governments be doing? Should the Democrats be more on the ball than they are? Why do you think they aren't on the ball right at this point? Why don't they care? Is it because of the cheap labor and votes? Is there something more going on there? Or now is it so bad? Is this crisis so far gone that they're caught flat-footed and have no idea what the hell to do? Because they didn't listen to the warnings. They didn't care. They let it happen. And now we are being overrun in a way that is causing communities, American communities, to suffer. Think about that homelessness crisis. And now you're putting countless more hundreds of homeless on the streets in Denver from other countries. I mean, this is a disaster in the making. Make no mistake about it. What are your thoughts? 303-696-1971. Text into the show on the 710 KNUS app on your smartphone. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler. You're listening to Denver's Local Talk Leader News Talk 710 KNUS. May she rest in peace, the wonderful Etta James. Her version of that Christmas classic, Winter Wonderland. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And yes, it looks like we're in for a real winter wonderland. Gosh, tomorrow night it's going to be below zero temperatures. And uh, I mean, hopefully we'll have a... I'm not holding my breath for white Christmas, but maybe with these cold temps, a little snow, maybe we'll have a white Christmas. I certainly hope so. I am dreaming of a white Christmas and a winter wonderland this coming weekend. Good to be with you. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger filling in for George Brockler as we talk about the crisis at the southern border This is the sort of attitude, a little bit of word salad from the White House. One of the reasons that I want to be very clear that to to folks that the border uh, is not open and and we will remove uh, using Title VIII is because by not being very clear on that, we are doing the work of the smugglers who are going to put forth misinformation. So we want to be very clear uh, on that piece. By not being clear on that, we're doing the work of the smugglers, so we want to be very clear on that. Are you admitting, Corinne Jean-Pierre, that the White House hasn't been clear that the border's not open, or at least that it shouldn't be open? What do you think? What do you make of this? 303-696-1971. Let's go to Jim in Denver. Jim, good morning. You're on with Jimmy in for George. Hey, good morning. I just wanted to talk about the hypocrisy of our so-called leaders with that border. Um the Chamber of Commerce has been asking for 30 million uh, foreign workers for about seven years. It didn't work out with uh, the Trump folks. Um, and, and, and not only that, but Texas has been touting how their labor force is so much cheaper than the rest of the nation for the entire NAFTA period. And I don't recall any of those Texas leaders being uh, 
tree-hugging boulderites, okay? So they're getting what they ask for. Not only that, but the Chamber of Commerce has estimated that over the next 25 years, they're going to need between 75 million and 120 foreign workers in this country to feed their member businesses, to keep their businesses in business, to keep them profitable. So the American people are on the back burner. They've been on the back burner for 40 years. So I don't know those specific stats from the Chamber of Commerce, but there's no doubt that the business interests in this country certainly want the cheap labor. And to some extent, it is, excuse me, it is necessary to have some of that. But here's the thing you need. You need a legal process, streamlined process to do it in terms of work visas if you're going to go about this, not welcoming in a massive crisis of millions of people who we don't know who they are, what they're doing here, what they're bringing as far as drugs, etc. You've got children who are put into the, the thick of a of a situation where it is a humanitarian disaster in the making for them for their lives into the future i think though you need a real serious discussion if you're actually going to talk about what to do as far as any sort of uh, lower wage workers and and visas for uh, for workers that can get visas to come into this country for those very specific needs. We have successfully in the past, Jim, had programs like the Bracero program in the 1940s, for example, when yes. Mexican workers were brought in in a way that was legal, that was cogent. I mean, we need that sort of thing. Again, there's an interesting suggestion. Curious what you think, Jim. Uh, in the Wall Street Journal by Jason Riley, I always appreciate what he writes about. And he says that the state should be able to create their own state-based visas and that that would help ease the border crisis because those states know what they need as far as workers that can come in and help pick up some of the slack. What do you think? I think the states are going to allow those workers across their borders into other states, turning everybody into a sanctuary state. And we're seeing it occur right now with all these buses coming to these liberal places like uh, New York, Martha's Vineyard, Washington, Denver. Denver. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now this, now here's, here's, it, it, we don't have a solution and we don't want to solve this. It would take 15 minutes to solve this. What you do is you three months, in advance, you broadcast to the people that are paying these illegals that you're going to do a foreign walk down. You're going to take the military from the northern border and you're going to walk them in a line and they're going to check the papers of your employees. Mm. There would be there wouldn't be enough greyhounds and cars <laughs> driving south. These people would be walking. Well, to get out look, of here. here's the thing, Jim. And if, here... and if they don't adhere to this, you you deport the you deport the employer. You can't do that because they're American citizens. You can't force an American citizen out of the country. That's that's in total violation of the Constitution. But, Jim, having consequences sure. for hiring illegal immigrants is a different thing. I mean, look at E-Verify. That's the program that should be put in place. But guess what? Republicans don't even want E-Verify, certainly not the Democrats, because then that puts employers at risk. So business owners exactly. don't want that's that. Profit. Yeah, it's yeah, profit absolutely. So, so what we're going to do as a party is we're going to lie to everybody about a future tax cut every 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 uh, election cycle, and uh, then when it when it can't get get uh, enacted, then we're going to blame somebody mm -hmm. else. Then we're just going to preach about these 
BS um, tax cuts. Yeah. Um, like the one we had in 2016. That one was eaten up within eight months. Uh, I would disagree. I would disagree class, there. I, 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 I well, think what Trump did in it was actually 2017. What Trump did in 2017 okay. with the tax cuts was quite positive and beneficial. The Democrats are working and doing their best to undo that right now. Jim, I got to go, though. Well, we got another call to run to. I appreciate it. Merry Christmas to you. Appreciate the call. Always love when somebody named Jim or Jimmy or James, which all, generally speaking, it's all James. We're all James usually. Calls into the show. 303-696-1971. Let's go to Morrison with Ben. Ben, you're on with Jimmy in for George. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Um, you know, it's dumbfounding to me. Kind of Republicans are always saying, well, we need they need to be coming in legally. They need to be coming in legally. But we don't offer them an opportunity to. I think there's it's an E3 visa or an ES3, I believe, is the name of the type of visa that you can apply for if you're one of these people that doesn't have a college degree and is coming in. And we only allow 10000 a year. So, Ben, there's a mix of different types of visas. There are actually several different visas, depending on your circumstances. There are specific ones for particular industries that I think are more limited along the lines of what you're talking about. But here's the thing. Actually, I would disagree. There are ample avenues to come in legally. The problem is more so that it takes too damn long for that to happen. And then people say, oh, I'm going to get in or they just think I'm going to skip that and I'm going to get in through the border and then I'll be okay, and I won't have to worry about waiting in in any lines. I won't have to go through any bureaucratic hassle. Instead, I'll just go through the trials and tribulations of going from Venezuela up through Central America, up through Mexico, into the United States without realizing the damage that could be done to myself or my family along this journey. But I think there's just a calculus. It's easier for them to do it that way. Yeah, well, if we're only allowing 10,000 of them to come in legally, then they're going to come in illegally. Well, I, I don't believe that I it's just 10,000. That's one of the one of the visa programs. There are more. But I want to ask you a question then, Ben. I mentioned this with Jim, in the, who was the last caller. Uh, Jason Riley talking about proposals, and these have been out there for a while, of allowing the states to create their own visa programs in concert, of course, with immigration customs, but to make their own visa programs so that they can bring in the workers that they need for their individual states. What is your opinion on that, Ben? I'd be supportive of that. Yeah, I think it's sharp. I think it's an important um, consideration. And why not? We talk about the laboratories of the republic right letting the states try things why not if a state recognizes that they have more need why not give them the opportunity to welcome in workers under a state-based visa yeah california needs seasonal workers to run all the fields and everything like that if mm-hmm. they need to pull them in in the summer by all means yeah bring some people in then have them go back when you know they make some money and they make it legally they get taxed on it and then you know they can go back home when seasons end right. ended do something else. It's so not I don't like have an issue with that. It's not like we haven't tried this before in decades past. The 40s and 50s, the Bracero program as just one example. Ben, good call. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. I appreciate it. Let's go. All right, we had Jim. Now we go to James and we got Jimmy. We're getting the trifecta. Good morning, James. How are you? Oh, to people that uh, call in and think that uh, we uh, should offer we don't offer them a 
a legal way to get into this country, I wish they could see my eyes roll mm -hmm. because we don't need no more. We have plenty of people camping on our curbs. Until we get those people off our curbs, we don't need no more immigrants in our country. So I don't agree with that in this sense. In terms of, and again, I'm talking, I'm talking legal immigrants. By the way, I'm not talking illegal mm -hmm. immigrants. That's a that's a, a separate category in my view. But when you have a crisis of homelessness, for example, big problem there. A lot of them don't want to work, and they find themselves in these positions, or they're drug addicted, or what have you. You can't just force them uh, to to live their lives in a certain way. We should make it more stringent, as far as say programs to support the homeless and saying you got to be looking for work you got to be actively working etc to provide shelter or what have you i certainly agree with that but i think the situation is more complicated especially when you get into lower wage jobs that yes there are jobs out there you talk to businesses that are very clear on this in certain rural areas and so forth there are jobs out there that americans will not take that is true, and it's not just a matter of paying them more. But, I mean, your Jimmy, point is well we taken, this, but there's more are, to it than that. Our government made that problem. They put those people on the curb. They made those people lazy. And we're going to bring more people into our country and destroy them with more free stuff. Mm. We don't need more people into this country. We need to teach the ones we have to get back to work. I think there is a lot of truth in what you're saying, James, especially the aspect of the federal My government. In, in, in terms of the government, caller. in terms of the government going ahead and saying, we're going to provide you with all these benefits, et cetera, that has absolutely impacted the work ethic of Americans when you've come to welfare and so forth. I couldn't agree more in that regard. That is one of the curses of this welfare state, which needs to be pared back. Yes, I agree on the one hand. Absolutely. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that there aren't jobs, especially in the interim, that you need workers for in certain positions and having some of these visa programs can fill those gaps and those needs. Thank you, James, for the call. I appreciate it at 303-696-1971. My point is to say this is a complicated process, the complicated issue. But here's one thing that's absolutely crucial to keep in mind, and we can all be united on in this station in our audience. Illegal immigration needs to be stopped at the border. The Biden administration is feckless. They are weak. They aren't doing what, what needs to be done. Democrats in this state, feckless and weak. They aren't pushing to do what needs to be done. And simply declaring a state of emergency on, on the part of Mayor Hancock ain't enough. Ain't going to do the trick. Listener texting in, and I think there's a lot to be said here about how the Catholic Church has a lot to answer for in terms of the illegal immigrants that they are helping to bring in here. This listener points out that Annunciation House, which is the organization that is bringing a lot of these illegal immigrants up from the border into Colorado, into Denver, the Annunciation House is funded by the Catholic Church. Norma texting this in. Yeah. I mean, the the, the Catholic Church... And I say as a Catholic, I I think there needs to be a discussion with the church about what in the world is going on here, because I understand you want to care for those in need. My brother's keeper. 
and the Catholic Church is the best entity in providing for support for those who are in need. Catholic Charities, you can't get any better than that. You can't get any better than that in terms of providing support for those in need. But there comes a point at which compassion denies reality. And that includes the reality that we cannot just assume thousands and thousands, millions of illegal immigrants suddenly coming in. That's not actually compassionate. What's going on in Denver right now ain't compassionate. It's denying reality. And yes, there needs to be a discussion with and among the church about that exact point. We'll take one more call on the other side. And I want to squeeze in something about the difference between Douglas County and Denver Public Schools and their boards of education. Keep it right here. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler here on Denver's local talk leader. News Talk 710 KNUS. Is it too little too late? The Hill reporting the following. Senator Kirsten Sinema, Independent Arizona, plans to lead a bipartisan group of senators on a trip to the U.S.-Mexico border next Congress to see the country's broken immigration system up close. In a floor speech on Tuesday, she said, quote, part of the problem is that many in Washington have never taken the time to really see our border up close. Without seeing it for all of its diversity and its challenges, it can be easy to rely on the partisan talking points instead of focusing on the meaningful, realistic solutions. She's going to be partnering up with Senator Tom Tillis, the Republican of North Carolina, to bring this group to the border. Hmm. Well, you know, I guess it's something. Better than nothing, maybe? We'll see what happens and what comes of it. Once again, Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler. Thanks for being along for the ride this morning. By the way, I will be in for Deborah Flora this coming Friday from 3 until 4. That will be good. Kind of teeing up for the weekend when I'm excited for what I've got on my show this coming Saturday morning, the Jimmy Singenberger Show, 6 to 9 every Saturday morning on News Talk 710 KNUS. I'll have on my good friend, Rabbi Jonathan Hausman. We'll talk about the true meaning of Hanukkah, the true story of Hanukkah, and pose the question, is it really the Jewish Christmas? Hmm. Then... Stick with the pastor theme. Reverend Jimmy Bratcher will be joining me. He is the Electric Rev. Accomplished blues guitarist. Awesome guy. I've been listening to him since I was in high school. I'm excited to have a conversation with the Electric Rev, Jimmy Bratcher, this coming Saturday and on Christmas and the blues. And Santa's coming. Yep. I have an annual check-in with Santa Claus, and that will be fun. You will not want to miss that. The Jimmy Sangenberger Show, Saturdays from 6 to 9, and I'll be in for Deborah Flora this coming Friday at 3 p.m. here on News Talk 710 KNUS. I want to wrap up. I talked about this a little bit on my show on Saturday, but 
in a piece I wrote for the Denver Gazette a couple of weeks ago, I specifically highlighted how it looked like the Denver School Board was going after their superintendent, Alex Marrero. Marrero was less than five months on the job in 2021, last year, when the new school board, then new school board, three weeks after being sworn in, decided to extend his contract by four years. And then I was getting wind that they were trying to go in executive session to go after the superintendent, etc. And they did a whole thing in a recent school board meeting. Scott Esserman, Tay Anderson, the most famous member of the board, infamous, probably the better word, and Michelle Quattlebaum. Three of the seven board members were really pushing for this. They didn't go into executive session. Well, then what happened? That was a couple weeks ago. And then last Thursday, the DPS board went into executive session. My sources tell me it was for four hours, 7.30 to nearly 11.30 p.m. That executive session went on for. And ostensibly it was to talk about the superintendent and also to get answers to legal questions. Why am I bringing this up right now? Well, I wanted to squeeze it in at the tail end, but take a listen to the stark difference in how the incompetent Denver School Board approaches this issue compared with the Douglas County Board of Education. Here's a snippet of their meeting before they went into executive session. At this point, we this have is to the make president a motion of the school to, board. Uh, may I have a motion to move into executive session? So moved. May I get a second? Second. And so we'll go ahead and open that for a discussion. Um, we'll start with Director Esmond. Scott uh, I had sent out the email expressing the need for executive session, and I thought this was an executive session to, to meet those needs as, as discussed in the email. I sent an email for executive session. We just want to talk about the contents of the email. I'm not telling you about questions. Vice President Anderson. Thank you, Madam President. Uh, I'm going to support moving into executive session for uh, other purposes of us to be able to discuss um, legal matters with our attorney on ongoing legal proceedings and also... Um, the ability for us to, to uh, talk about um, personnel matters. Any other questions? Ongoing Director legal Baldwin? proceedings. Is, I want to say that I have no idea what is going to be discussed in executive session, so I feel uncomfortable voting to support this, so I'll, I'll be voting no. Scott Balderman, we'll get back to, to him. Vote no. Um, okay. So... Attorney Thompson, is this something that you could help us with in terms of um, how Now she's looking to the legal counsel for DPS. By law? Can we move into just with a general statement that these, uh, this is regarding personal right. matters? It, it was noticed um, as a discussion of the superintendent's contract and to update mm -hmm. on litigation matters. Um, so I, would I that be... So and then they're discussing rationale. They're discussing the basis. And the lawyer's like, well, it was noticed as this and that. My point in playing that little clip was a few things. One, to show how disorganized they were. They didn't even present a legal basis. Tay Anderson said ongoing legal proceedings without being specific. And let's talk about personnel matters, hinting, by the way, at the superintendent. Then you had Scott Balderman literally say this, member of the school board. I want to say that I have no idea what is going to be discussed in executive session, so I feel uncomfortable voting to support this, so I'll, I'll be voting now. 
I don't even know what's going to be discussed in this session, so I'll be voting no. And then they went on for a four-hour discussion, which, by the way, was clearly to hide things from the public so that the people wouldn't be able to see what they're talking about, which is an abusive executive session. But there's the incompetent Denver School Board. Now let's go to Douglas County, which just a couple days before DPS went into executive session. All right, with that, I will move to item number 29. Uh, convene an executive session. The recommendation is the Board of Education adjourn the meeting and convene an executive session, a closed session, for purposes of holding conferences with the district attorneys to receive legal advice on specific legal questions pursuant to CRS 24-6402-4B regarding pending litigation, specifically Marshall versus Douglas County Board of Education at L, pending a district court, Douglas County, case number 2022-CV30071. And if motion to go in by two-thirds, the requested members of the meeting will be all seven directors, Superintendent Kane, DCSD Council Mary Klamesh, and Jeff Blue representing the law firm of Gessler Blue. Do I have a motion concerning the recommendation? So moved. Listen to what Mike Peterson, school board president in Dugco, did there. He cited specific statutory authority for going into private executive session. He cited specific legal questions and even mentioned the exact case that they were going to talk about. He mentioned who was going to be in the meeting. Boom, boom, boom. There may be need for discussing some pertinent issues depending on what you want to go into executive session for. And that may need to be necessary before you all vote. But nevertheless, you're going to lay it all out. Instead, what Denver does is one of their school board members says, I sent an email. We're going to talk about what the email is. We're not going to tell the public what it was. But I sent the email. Let's go to executive session for that. And then you have a school board member. I want to say that I have no idea what is going to be discussed in executive session. So I feel uncomfortable voting to support this. So I'll I'll be voting now. I mean, you just can't make this stuff up. There's certainly going to be more to come on the executive session, their superintendent in Denver, et cetera. But let me just tell you, it's a joke in Denver, and you could just hear the stark difference between those two school boards. And Dugco's the one the left-wing media likes to malign because conservative majority. That's it for me. I'm in for Deborah on Friday at 3, then my show Saturday at 6 in the morning. Jimmy Sangenberger in for George Brockler. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. May God bless America. Enjoy the day. Stay warm. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.